We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. This week, we are going to deep dive into the Black Plague. This week, we have a fascinating fact submission from my husband. He sent us a DM on Instagram to let us know that (laughs) the biomass of ants, like the insect, little buggy ants, um, is the same as humans, meaning that if you were to take all the humans on the planet and weigh them and take all the ants on the planet and weigh them, they would almost weigh the exact same amount as humans. So that's so insane and like honestly gross to think about. Yeah. But also when I think of the amount of ants I've seen in my life. Makes sense. It makes sense. (laughs) I have seen my weight in ants. Yeah. So there are a lot of ants out there. Yeah. They nasty. They go in big old clumps too. Yeah. It's like whenever you see an ant, they're always in giant clusters of like a billion. Well, and I tend to see them in giant ant hills that who knows how deep they go. Seriously. And sometimes they're little, sometimes they're kind of big, but ugh. and have you ever been bit by an ant? Yeah, actually. It's terrible. <laughs> I think the red ones are the ones that usually bite. I think those have stingers even. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just knew as a kid, like, stay away from the red ants. Yeah. But anyway, makes sense. Also nasty. Thank you, Dakota, for submitting that. If you want to be like Dakota and submit a fascinating fact to be featured on our next episode, all you need to do is send us a DM on Instagram like Dakota did, or you can email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com. We look forward to your submissions. Like we have been doing for the past couple weeks, we thought we'd give a quick update on how things are going just with the craziness (laughs) right now. Um, How's your week been, Jet? Well, I started going back to work this week. Um, As we mentioned, the company that we both work at is a critical infrastructure company. Um, But I went back to start my new job at the event center, (laughs) which is really exciting. So just kind of plugging away at that. Uh, There's only two people in my entire building. So it's very... uh, (laughs) I assume you are socially distanced. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I'm in a cubicle, so it's very safe. Um, So that's kind of nice, but also uh, we're hearing, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, which again, I said we should say the date when we do these. Today is the 18th of April. So that means as of today, I think, or like I said, today or yesterday, Trump made some sort of speech about maybe giving false hope and doing some announcements of sorts that have caused conflict in the country to say the least, and uh, governors in each state are trying to make decisions as best as they can, Mm -hmm. which are also contradicting things that the president of the United States are saying, which are causing uh, protests. So that's a very uh, mm, frustrating to see happening. Yeah, I, I would say overall I've tried to stay off social media throughout all of this because it's just easier on my own mental health. Yeah. Because there's a lot of negativity going around. Um, but I have been on Facebook and Instagram and a few things a little bit this week, and I have seen things about protests, um, specifically in Idaho. I know I talked to my mom who lives in Idaho, and she had been explaining to me that they had their stay home order through, I think, the 15th of April, and they didn't know until the 14th of April whether or not it was going to be extended. 
And so they didn't know until the day before if they were supposed to go to work the next day, which turns out it was extended, which sounds like people were not happy about because there was protests in the capital of Idaho in Boise, people grouping together as they are not supposed to do to protest the fact that they are supposed to stay home. Which is crazy to me because it's not that hard to stay home and it's for the good of society and for people's health and I just can't imagine a reason so worth it to me to defy laws to get together with strangers and protest staying at home with your family and being healthy. Yeah, I, the grouping together to protest is, uh, (laughs) is unexplainable to me. The frustration makes sense. In yeah, some like, I get that people are tired of everything that's going on, but it's not, like, a yeah. fun thing we're trying out. Yeah. I think, honestly, the discrepancies lie in the companies that, that are choosing to shut down or not. Yeah, that Because, makes sense. I'll be honest, it seems like a lot of the response to government orders and staying isolated that are happening... A lot of the decision making is coming from governors, but then also it's on business owners to get formally recognized as a critical business Mm -hmm. or essential worker. And I think some of the people who are protesting are those who are mis... Like categorized? Yes, by their company themselves. Like I think... I read a quick article about one of the protests and one of the people who was protesting was actually wearing a lot of like coverage gear. Like, I don't know if Hmm. they were a, I don't think they were a medical worker. Maybe they were working in some sort of factory that required them to like wear a hairnet and like coveralls and maybe even a mask and goggles. And the person protesting was saying, this is what I wear to work every day, yet I can't go to work. Hmm. which I would be relatively safe. I think that was the point. She was saying, why can't I go to work when this is how safe I am when I'm at work every day anyway? Mm -hmm. But my argument to that is, and this is without knowing what she was working in or what, is that I've seen companies like Dairy Queen continue to stay open and people like that maybe who think that their job is like more valuable to maybe the economy or Mm -hmm. um, preservation of humanity i have no idea where they're frustrated that they don't get a work but the person at dairy queen serving soft serve to people does Mm -hmm. and i can imagine they would justifiably be very upset and be protesting that situation when the reality of the matter might be dairy queen just has a better legal team and they have the connections where they can get their franchise written off to be critical infrastructure Mm -hmm. or whatever or essential workers because they're serving food Yeah, I I think a lot of it goes into making a case for why you're an essential business. And then, but I I would imagine it is incredibly frustrating for people that have not been able to work. And thankfully, we are not in that group. But at the same time, there are things being done to support people who haven't been able to work. And so, I don't know, it's, it's definitely a weird time and things are... Like, in a weird way, it feels like we're on the downturn and, like, things might be getting better. But then to hear things like this are happening within the last day or two, and I don't know, it's just a weird time. Yeah, like I said, I get the frustration, but the grouping together 
to yeah. protest it makes zero sense. That's like there are other ways ridiculous. to express yourself than uh group than putting together. yourself in danger. Yeah, putting yourself and others in danger and spreading something even more mm-hmm. and possibly furthering like elongating their problems if yeah. they cause more outbreak because of what they're doing. Well, yeah, cuz if you can't go to work because of there's still c- cases being confirmed and then a bunch of people group together and cause more cases at the end of the day they're they're not helping exactly so it's definitely a weird thing and i i'm sure people are feeling incredibly desperate depending on their situation and so yeah it's weird and so i think our topic kind of aligns quite well yeah with um just kind of the things that are happening and i think it puts it into perspective a little bit Mm -hmm. so with talking about the black plague it actually has a lot of names i didn't realize these were all the same thing until i started researching Mm -hmm. but it falls under the black death the plague the pestilence the bubonic plague or of course as we've been saying the black plague so uh it's the most fatal pandemic in human history And it's so long ago that the records are kind of hard to, like, there's no specific amount of confirmed cases or deaths, but... It's really hard to track. Yeah, because this was just before those types of records were even really kept. Way before the internet. (laughs) Oh, way before. And so, basically, again, this is so rough of numbers, but between 75 and 200 million people died Mm -hmm. over the course of about four years. So it, the official dates were from 1347 to 1351, but it definitely continued beyond that. That's just kind of the first wave. And so it had a couple like different waves of this plague in different forms that it took, but we're primarily going to talk about the first and the largest wave and how it spread and how it hit. And I think it puts things into perspective a lot and it kind of confirms how like i know the situation right now is not good but it really shows how much worse it could be so i did look at the world health organization information today just to put it into perspective how this compares to the coronavirus and covid19 and kind of the the statistics side by side so like i said the black plague on the low end still had 75 million deaths And as of today, the coronavirus, we have had a little over 2 million confirmed cases. And thankfully, out of that, only 146,000 people have died, which is still a terrible, terrible thing. And so many people. But if we compare it to the Black Plague, only 6% as many people have died from the coronavirus as people that died of the Black Plague, if that makes sense. It does. So it kind of puts into perspective how big of a deal this was. And it lasted longer, which I'll I'll get into some of the causes and reasons for that. But if we look at just starting from the beginning for the Black Plague, it started in the 13th century when Mongol conquest of China, which was a military effort, they caused a decline in farming and trading, which was around the same time that there was some just climate changes in Asia. And so the climate changes in Asia caused rodents to flee the dried out grasslands and spread to different areas that they maybe weren't normally in. And so the rodents, most commonly rats, had fleas. 
and these fleas were carrying this plague. And normally they kept to themselves. It's, it wasn't a big deal. It didn't affect humans. But then when they began fleeing the dried out grasslands to find food and shelter, they spread into this other area. And so this was at the same time uh, when, so it was 1330s is when many natural disasters led to famine in these areas because, again, crops weren't doing as well. and <laughs> They can't catch a food. break. Yeah, yeah. And so this was just the beginning of all of this. So one bad thing led to so many worse things. So the cause of this was a mix of the weather, which led to famine, which also was around the same time as wars were happening. And so all of these contributed to the severity of the Black Death. At the time, it was thought that all of this was caused by a conjunction of three planets in 1345 that caused a great pestilence in the air. So essentially, they thought the stars aligned and that's what caused all of these events. Yeah, the little factoid I read was that they believed that it was pockets of bad air. Mm-hmm. Like, like almost like stale air staying in places too long yeah. or something. It's kind of crazy. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's it really puts into perspective how far medicine and science have come because a lot of people, and, and a lot of this was religion-based, but thought that it was a message from God, which I could see why that makes sense. And so Muslim scholars thought that the plague was sent from God to assure that believers had a place in heaven and to punish non-believers. So some people Hmm. thought it was that, like it had that specific of a purpose. And so something else I read on that actually is that um, they were discouraged from taking baths or changing clothing because that attributed to the sin of vanity and in God's eyes, oh, that's was such punishable. the wrong thing to do in yeah. this situation. And so, what's crazy is that a lot of people wear, wore perfume or carried mm. around bundles of flowers in front of their face to avoid the, the. It's almost like how we wear masks to grocery stores. Of course, we know that those are effective mm-hmm. in some cases if they're the right ones to protect you from the virus. Mm-hmm. But in their case, they thought like heavy perfumes or like having bundles of flowers and like breathing through those would help keep the virus away well and i know that so fun fact and i can't say for sure this is accurate but i was i learned in like high school that the reason that like bridesmaids and brides walk down the aisle with flowers was because way back in ancient times people didn't take baths like ever it was like Mm. once a year they would take a bath and so weddings commonly happened like in the summer or whenever people took baths but because people tended to smell bad because they weren't bathing, the the bride and bridesmaids would carry flowers with them to cover smells. That is so strange. Isn't also, it? like, I feel like I've smelled a stinky person, like a really stinky person. Flowers wouldn't help. I, flowers <laughs> would not help. But I can see why that might be part of it, too. Like, if they were told not to bathe, then they smelled bad, and so they started carrying flowers or wearing extra perfume to cover the fact that they weren't bathing, maybe. Also... Have you heard about Ring Around the Rosie? Yes, but refresh my memory. So basically the concept is the song comes from the stories of the plague. So is it okay? Ring Around the Rosie, Pockets Full of Posies. Posies are a flower Mm -hmm. to cover the smell. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. People die. And I was also the kid who knew that when I was really young and that has burnt into my brain forever about that when my dad told me about it because I'm like, oh my God, that's really scary and awful. 
to one point I remember I was at someone's birthday party and I would not participate in Ring Around the Rosie because I was like, do you guys know what you're singing? And I was that kid at the party. I feel like I learned that in like late middle school. So I was old enough that like we weren't actively doing that. But yeah, it's crazy to think about. And a lot of those songs and things have really sad or like dark origins, which is sad. It's one of those things like if someone like sang that while you were in the dark, you'd be like, I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrifying when you're little. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But kind of looking back at the modern theory. So like I said, um, of course, they didn't know this at the time, but due to climate changes in Asia, rodents began to flee the dried out grasslands and spread the disease. The spread of a bacterium present in fleas was carried by the rodents and the disease caused a blockage, which caused the fleas to aggressively feed to clear the blockage. So they were feeding more than maybe they normally would. And because of this, they were feeding on more people or rats or animals. And normally they feed on animals, but when all of the rats were dying, they needed to find new hosts. And so they started feeding on humans. Which some fleas do. I, I'm not super clear on which ones do and which ones don't. But the understanding is that these fleas started feeding on humans and spreading the disease. And then humans started spreading the disease to each other. Two things I want to talk about within that. <laughs> okay. So one thing I read about is that um, likely if humans did not actively wear clothing, like if we all were just nudists. Yeah the likelihood that fleas would have been biting us would have gone down a whole bunch hmm. because fleas like them. to live in fur or like coverings of the skin and kind mm. of burrow within it. Well, that's what attracts the fleas is like that warmth underneath those layers. Mm, that makes sense. And so if we were nudists, yeah. maybe could have decreased it a little or like people go around naked. <laughs> it might have helped. Well, and I think they hang out in like bedding and yeah. things like that. Like too. layers. Yep. Yeah. My dog has gotten fleeced. It is not fun. And the first time it happened, I was so freaked out about like, are they in my carpet? Are they in my hair? Are they in my bed? Yeah. <laughs> and so I it's probably freaky. overreacted and never really figured it out. But they weren't in my carpet and they weren't on him very long. Yeah. Which was good. But I've also seen that they were likely in lice yeah so hey uh, yeah. freaky that um, help the nudists but my other thing is trying to think about so i mean this is just a me tangent <laughs> <laughs> um so if you think about a flea and a flea is like really really tiny they're like the size of like a pinhead they're like so little they're very small like you can see them but yeah tiny unless they're spikes. moving like you wouldn't yeah Well, if you think about a virus and viruses, and I think we've talked about this in our original coronavirus way back when, is like how tiny viruses Mm -hmm. are. There's like, you could fit a million of them within a single cell. But anyway, I still think about the creepiness of viruses. Like they're basically like a non-living parasite. Yeah. And they... Aren't they alive though? Not technically, no, because oh. they can't live without a host. Like, Ooh, if the way to think about sense. it is, like, sense. a tapeworm can be alive. Ugh. Yeah. That's but cool. a virus can't be alive without a host. Yeah. I mean, that's why they have, like, incubation periods where they can, like, live outside of a host, but eventually they'll die if they're not in one gotcha. type of thing. Well, okay. Thinking, and this is just my brain, about a tiny little flea and how a virus, I mean, grand, like, scheme of things is a lot bigger 
in a flea's body in relation to a human body. Yeah, true. And so thinking about viruses in, like, that parasitic way of, like, a virus taking over the flea, like you said, in that mm-hmm. super creepy way that makes them, like, ravenously hungry. Mm-hmm. Like, thinking about that in humans, could you imagine... Like, a giant alien tapeworm going in your body and, like, (laughs) making you really hungry all the time. And, like, how creepy the idea of that is. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, so I saw that, so rats died a lot because of this. But I haven't heard about, like, it killing the fleas themselves. So I don't know if they can live with it or if maybe they just reproduce fast enough that they carry it. I could see it going either way. But it, and I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit more later, but this plague takes people out within like a week she fast it's so scary yeah and i haven't seen anything that indicates that it made like people hungry or anything so <laughs> yeah i don't think it I had don't those think, effects yeah, it's not, which yeah like that. i think i've heard that um rabies has like yeah weird biological effects so i didn't see anything about that maybe we'll do an episode on that later yeah but, um but yeah so this wasn't quite that like deeply biologically affecting people beyond like it's super how it contagious was, like in a weird way like poisoning your body yeah um so yeah and i'll get into the symptoms and things later Ugh, it's gross so like don't listen to this while you're eating or something <laughs> yeah Ugh. but um talking about the transmission of how this traveled though so as we explained like hygiene was not a common practice in the 14th century and in some cases frowned upon by god apparently. yeah apparently <laughs> and the germ theory of disease wasn't developed until the 19th century so Ooh, we were so far from ways that. to go yeah and so streets were commonly super filthy they had live animals of all sorts humans wandering around which meant that a lot of like parasites and things were potentially getting transmitted in addition to like diseases and germs, the spread of the diseases were more rampant in areas of poverty, unfortunately. The epidemic ravaged cities, particularly children, just because of the state of their immune systems mm. when they're still growing. So it was really hard on children, especially like some of the later waves of this really only affected children. And so, um, as I mentioned, the plague was easily spread by lice, uh, as well as unsanitary drinking water. Uh, armies traveling around as well as poor sanitation which again just looking at that alone just puts into perspective how good we have things like the fact that we have sanitary drinking water in america probably makes the state of things so 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 much better than Mm -hmm. they would be otherwise because yeah it provides a lot of good things to us or i guess keeps bad things out of us (laughs) yeah and we were talking before the episode basically relating the two and just about information and knowledge of what's going on in the world is so rapid now Mm -hmm. that it like at least if we you know had decisive leaders we could close down (laughs) borders and get decisions made quickly to protect us and i would say that even though america wasn't perfect and we didn't like make any abrupt decisions to close down the borders or something to help keep the virus out Mm -hmm. um still knowing that information is super helpful and like tracking it and being aware of how it travels and even though we don't Mm -hmm. have a vaccine for the coronavirus yet still knowing like the effects of wuhan where it began Mm -hmm. and seeing how that trickled down into their whole Mm -hmm. basically country and then across the world is helpful information to like 
make decisions now. Well, yeah, we can communicate and say, like, what worked for you, what didn't, what's going on, like, how is this affecting people, and talking to doctors, and they, like, in these times, people probably didn't know it was happening until people were already dying from it. Yeah. That's how they learned about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so one of the actually really good things was that um, an early medical advancement that came from the Black Plague was the idea of quarantine. It wasn't fully flushed out by any means um but it started in croatia in 1377 after they had continuing outbreaks and so some of the things like the ways they did this was when they had ships come into port they sometimes had to stay on the ship they couldn't come onto land and fully like dock until i think it was like 30 to 40 days. I saw 40 days. Yeah, yeah. so that's a long time, longer than we're quarantining <laughs> yeah. people. Well, you got to think of how long they were on their boat, too. A lot of them yeah. sailed for a long time. Then yeah. they have to just sit there staring at land for 40 days. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the ways. They also had um, different measures for potentially, like, keeping the people that were sick outside of the city or they use this in a couple different ways, but it at least brought up the idea of this very early on. And so um, that was one good thing that came of this, like maybe the only good thing. Um, it was likely that this plague started in China, um, which is very interesting thinking about, like looking at the history, it's not the only plague that potentially started in China. And one thing that I definitely want to point out was this doesn't have to do with the people or even the crowded cities in China, especially when you look at the fact that this stemmed from climate change and the migration of animals and it started from fleas. Yeah. It wasn't anything people did wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong with China. It might just be something to do with their climate and the way their animals migrate or who knows. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's China's fault that people get sick. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. But for <laughs> some reason, they are a common denominator, which I thought was very interesting. It is interesting to see that. I'm curious. I wonder if there's studies on that out there. Yeah, I, I have no idea. And so... Um, the disease did spread outside of Asia by Mongol armies and traders by ships. So it then went into Europe. Can I actually say something on that? Really sure, quick? yeah. Um, so I learned one of the other very negative effects of the plague is that it was used in warfare. Oh, I have something on that too. And so the section I saw was basically about the Mongol army threw dead corpses over city walls to infect people and kill them yeah i saw that too it's so gross that is so nasty yeah because that's essentially one of the ways that this was transferred to europe so just like you said during a siege of the city of mongol Armies had troops that were suffering from the disease, and so they catapulted infected corpses <laughs> over the walls. I didn't read that they catapulted that's, them, but yeah. Yeah, that's the verbiage I found. And so oh, God. they used it as a way to infect people in the city, likely innocent people, just citizens and bystanders. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it was literally used as a war tactic. So, hey. like, you can't – it's terrible because it – that's purposefully spreading it, which is so, so terrible. Here's a positive thing. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we need it right now. Yes. Uh, dogs could not get infected by the plague. Really? Yeah. So oh, they, interesting, because a lot of animals could. Yep. Cats and rats were like big carriers for it. Hmm. 
And it uh, sounds like dogs even bitten with infected fleas would not get sick at all. Interesting. I wonder why. I don't know. Seems like they had a natural resistance. Oh, well, cool. Good for them. Yeah. It's the positive out of it. Yeah, that you is could keep good. your dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. But as the disease spread, the Genoese traders, so people trading goods um, between countries, fled to Constantinople, where the disease arrived in the summer of 1347. And this outbreak killed the 13-year-old son of the emperor, and it lasted a year in Constantinople. Um, But the plague then reoccurred 10 times before 1400. Yeah. So just like (laughs) the coronavirus... It can keep coming back. So that's one thing to be careful of with plagues like this is that just because it goes through a country or a city or even one person gets it doesn't mean it can't come back. So that is one thing that's important to note. Yeah. And then galleys from Caffa then went to Italy and the disease spread through Italy and then um, to Europe. And so the disease was less common in certain parts of Europe, specifically those with less developed trade. And unfavorable weather disseminated plague-infected rodent populations and then forced the fleas onto alternative hosts, um, even within other countries. So not just specific to China or even Asia. And so one thing that I noted that, like, this is such an awful visual, but it really puts it into perspective, was that the Nile was choked with corpses. Grave diggers had so much work to do that they resulted in throwing them in the Nile. That is a bad idea. Yeah. For so many reasons. So many reasons, because then you're just like washing that, that, Yeah, isn't that where people are yeah. like washing their clothes, washing Again, their bodies, getting their clean drinking, drinking water. water. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. It's not good. But they just ran out of places to put people because people were dying so fast. And the plague, again, I said, like I said, it reoccurred a lot. Um, it reoccurred more than 50 times over a century and a half in Cairo. And usually they could pin down the ships that brought the disease, which is so crazy to think about. And it, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, But when I was reading through the history, it was like, oh, yeah, this one country or city was infected. And then this one boat brought it to this other country. And then it, like... Yep ripped through their population and that happens so many times where again it just puts into perspective if those people just stayed put and waited it out they wouldn't have spread it to so many other places yep and so looking at the signs and symptoms of the plague it's rough and so the most (laughs) like prevalent is the bubonic plague but there were a couple other types of plagues that kind of came from this But again, the bubonic plague was like the plague. And so the resulting symptoms were things such as a fever between 100 and 106 Fahrenheit, um, which is 38 to 41 degrees Celsius, uh, headaches, painful aching joints, nausea, vomiting, and just general discomfort. Phase one. (laughs) Yeah, that's like basic symptoms. That's like, stay home from work today. (laughs) Yeah, but left untreated 80% of people that were infected died within eight days of getting the plague. That is terrifying. 80% within eight days. It's like, honey, I have a headache and we need to gather the kids so we can say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. And the most common terrifying noted symptoms were that um, the appearance of bubo, 
I believe is the pronunciation, yep. which is swollen lymph nodes in the groin, neck, and armpits, Yep. which oozed pus and bled when opened and then turned black and they grew as large as eggs or sometimes apples like i have i have felt lymph nodes in my neck they're little like the size of like a bean yeah or like and to a think pea. of them swelling to the size of an apple in like your neck <laughs> and oh it's terrible and it's nasty yeah so this was followed by an acute fever and vomiting blood oh, oftentimes lovely. these people had rashes and um they would have signs of bites from fleas and mm. most of them died within two to seven days of the infection and one thing to note is that a common um, way that people treated illnesses or pains back then was um, to bleed people. Or bloodletting. Yeah, bloodletting. So they believed that the, um, this is kind of like a deeper theory, but basically they believed that there were humors in your body which needed to be balanced. Um, so it was blood, bile, and... Pus? Mm, or is that bile? Pus maybe... There's like, there was four of them. I don't remember. And so they believed that your body was all out of whack and had too much blood in it. So then they would either like pop your oozing thing. Whatever bumps you got. Yeah, whatever <laughs> looked wrong, they would <laughs> release it. the blood out of yep. it to then hopefully heal it. But when you think back to the unhygienic times and the fact that we didn't have a great understanding of medical technology, people would get infected. Like, granted, they were probably already going to die of this, but if not, they were going to get infected anyway. And so this was just a whole mess. And also you're spreading the germs more. Like, yeah, it's, it's this whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, not a good thing. And so um, a lot of people died as we already touched on um we don't have exact figures for death tolls because like we said it just wasn't something that people kept track of that way back then they didn't have any official censuses during this time um they did some tax records but even that wasn't very specific or even official and so the main deaths occurred in eurasia and so that was like i said earlier 75 to 200 million people and historians have guessed that this is between um 45 to 60 percent of the european and asian populations that is ridiculous it's so much and so um just to note that's not the world population it's closer to um i did some quick numbers roughly like 25 ish percent of the world's population which is still so many people if you think okay let's say it's the big number let's say it's the 60 percent to me, so in some cases, the the plague actually wasn't completely fatal if you got it. So yeah, you not, could not get bit. Twenty percent lived. <laughs> yeah, you could suffer the heck out of it and survive. Yeah. But it makes me wonder how many of those people. So let's say sixty percent of the people literally died. Mm -hmm. How many were infected and were able miraculously to survive mm -hmm. from something that horrible before modern medicine? Oh my God. And then who, like, maybe, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe had the immunity to, like, not get it. Like, yeah. and it how could... <laughs> I could imagine if you're living in those days and you're believing that God is making all those decisions, Ugh. 
Yeah. Like, that is, like, what they call, what, the second coming or something? Where well, yeah, I would ex- fully expect that, like, the world is ending. Yeah. Because people literally were just waiting to die because they didn't have a good understanding of science and medicine and how this was being transmitted. They just knew, like, oh, if you start getting spots, you're gonna die. Yeah. Within, like, a week. Mm. And like I said, this is especially true for children. So, or just, like, covid the immunocompromised people are people with pre-existing conditions exactly and so just to kind of run through some numbers of like specific populations um so this affected about half of paris's population which at the time was about a hundred thousand people so they reduced their population by about half Hmm. um the population of florence i've seen a few different numbers um but it went down between like 60 and 80 percent i think Um, So that's in Italy. In Germany, their population was reduced by about 40,000 people. Jeez. Um, So that's just a couple to note. And so there were a couple different waves of this disease. And so the first outbreak, about two-thirds of the population contracted the illness and most people died. Uh, In the next, half the population became ill, but only some of them died. So I don't know if that's a matter of the disease became weaker as it traveled, if it evolved into something a little bit different, or if people became more immune to it. Um, And then by the third time, a tenth of the people were infected and many did still survive. And then by the fourth occurrence that this came around, one in 20 people got sick. Most of them lived. um, Most people that did die would have been children jeez louise yeah at that point like if something that horrific was happening i feel like i would just opt to just die somehow like just be dead it's crazy like i yeah you would be heartbroken constantly everyone yeah so many. how could you not be depressed oh i'm sure people were terribly depressed because They were just waiting to see if they died, and a lot of people they knew were dying, so they were constantly in mourning. Um, There was actually one quote from an Italian chronicler, and so it said that none could be found to bury the dead for money or for friendship. Members of a household brought their dead to a ditch as best they could, without priests, without divine offices. Great pits were dug and piled deep with multitudes of dead. And they died by the hundreds, both day and night. And as soon as those ditches were filled, more were dug. And I buried my five children by my own hands. And there were also those who were so sparsely covered with the earth that dogs dragged them forth and devoured many bodies throughout the city. There was no one who wept for any dead, for all awaited death. And so many died that all believed it was the end of the world. Yeah, I think I would believe it's the end of the world, and mm-hmm. yeah, I would uh, be either doing crazy stuff that eventually led to my death, or I would just, you know, mm-hmm. let let myself go. It, yeah, it would be very hard to have any kind of positive perspective or plan for the future in any way, and so this must have been a terrible time, and again... We knew so little at that time that it would have been a very mysterious, ominous, like, well, something Well, if you think it's on. religious, too, which I feel oh, like yeah. most people back then did believe in religion. Mm-hmm. And so if you thought it was the difference between heaven and hell or 
God and, you know, demons mm-hmm. or whatever, you being condemned to hell yeah. by that sort of death, you'd have to wonder why the children well, yeah. And why everybody, why 60% of us or whatever, mm-hmm. like that, you would just be basically waiting in line for your turn. Yeah. Like, and there's I'm sure no it felt that way. rhyme or reason for it. It's crazy. Yeah. And some Europeans targeted different groups, such as Jews, friars, foreigners, beggars, pilgrims, lepers, um, just to blame them for the crisis as if it was someone's fault because it had to be someone's fault that all of this was happening. Yeah. Lepers and others with skin diseases, such as even acne and psoriasis, were killed throughout Europe because basically if something was on your skin, who knows yeah, what it could be and we want you out of here. Yep. Yep. Makes so. Sense. Um, as we've, of course, touched on, many believed that the epidemic was a punishment from God for their sins and could be relieved only by winning forgiveness from God. Yeah, that is unconceivably sad. And unfortunately, like they did, people did take it out on some of these groups. There were many attacks against Jewish communities. Um, There was a massacre in 1349 where about 2,000 Jews were murdered. That's helpful. Yeah, so um, people were dying even without the plague. <laughs> and I did see that yeah. some people tried to flee countries and died in the travel. So that's part of the reason that I think the numbers are hard to calculate is because a lot of people died of the plague, but other people were dying for other reasons, many of them because of the reactions of the plague. So it was hard to say for sure why maybe some people did die. And why is it always the Jewish people? I don't like, know. Like, do we need to do an know. episode on Judaism? Because I would love to know why these people were attacked. I don't so understand. relentlessly throughout history. Well, if they thought, okay, so Jesus was Jewish. Yeah. And so if they thought that this was all God's fault, then maybe they believed that the Jewish people were therefore responsible. That's mm. the only thought logic I can track. Hmm. Still though, still though, we don't usually a little unfair. <laughs> yeah, we Just don't usually little... get religious on this this uh, no, podcast, but it might be interesting to learn about the Jews because yeah. they have some deep dark history. Yeah, they've yeah, Poor yeah, guys. that's yeah, they, they yeah. So this, like I said, it had several different different waves of the plague. So this was the most prominent and widespread um and so um different waves some of them lasted as late as like even the 1800s and so this isn't completely gone we can hope it's mostly gone but even in uh, 1855 this kind of restarted in china and then spread and killed uh, in India alone, it killed 10 million people in the 1800s. So it's different. It's evolved. It's changed. And in, in some ways, we've found treatments for it, but it's it's taken a long time. And so modern treatments include methods such as insecticides, the use of antibiotics, and a plague vaccine. So vaccines have done a lot for us. Yeah, that's... Uh... Makes me happy to be alive nowadays, but also things get a lot more complex because there's more beliefs and more travel and more people and more information coming to us all at once that Mm -hmm. I understand why people like us or, I mean, the modern world, anybody in the modern world is overwhelmed by what we're experiencing, but also confused and Mm -hmm. why people are protesting out of 
fear and anger when none of us truly know who to look to for answers. And frankly, I don't think anybody really has any at this point because what if the answer is, uh this is going to be going on until there's a vaccine and Mm -hmm. vaccines take a year. And so we don't want to tell you it's going to be a year Mm -hmm. because everybody's going to panic. Uh, So we're just going to tell you every three weeks that uh, it's extending because we won't have a plan for a year Mm -hmm. until how we can, you know, help each other out. But what I wanted to cover (laughs) with the plague is kind of uh, maybe maybe there's some hope. Maybe there's something that comes from this, and I think maybe that's a coping mechanism for maybe the more positive-minded folks throughout all this. Again, Mm -hmm. I completely understand why people would be negative and uh, being sad right now because everybody has really good reason to be. But also, I wanted to – I was interested in the plague because I was like, well, we experienced something – I mean, as the human race, we have experienced something – something as horrific as the plague Mm -hmm. and we've come back from it uh i think it took italy like 150 years to get their population back up to where it was and like resurge their economy and try to get Mm -hmm. back to where it was so it took a lot of time and thankfully or maybe not thankfully i don't know depends on how you look at it and global warming and growth and the economy or whatever how long that takes but it's i think we have good chances and since this is a lot less horrifying as the plague, um, to get back in shape much, 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 much faster than 150 years. Um, But for them, when the main chunk of the plague happened, which was roughly the 13th and 14th century, Mm -hmm. um, the Renaissance began. And basically the Renaissance was this really cool time of like flamboyant parties and clothing and music and art and culture but Mm -hmm. also a new resurgence in um, how people viewed life itself Um, because it's kind of like they had that YOLO mentality (laughs) where they just saw so many people die and they realized oh everybody dies and so we have a decision to start living while we're alive yeah and so a lot of people started making a lot more use of their their lives mm-hmm. by making scientific discoveries and um, really helping basically people move forward as critical thinkers in scientific thought and also art and culture. Um, I think in relation to gratitude for surviving it, a lot of works of art skewed religious after that, and there was a lot more religious art made from that point forward. Um, Also, some good that came from it is that the, um, since so many people died, there were a lot of jobs that needed to be done. And so those who did survive, people who were just um, working class or as a lot of people call it nowadays, the blue collar folks. And I suppose maybe that could be related to our grocery store clerks and our food workers Mm -hmm. folks who are, um, you know, living those those day to day jobs. Those people started getting paid more and they also were allowed a lot more freedoms because, Mm -hmm. oh, look at there. (laughs) Yeah, they're a valued human being all of a sudden. And so um, they had more work and they even were able to start traveling to find more fulfilling work as well. So let's say they didn't like their farm job. They could go out somewhere and become Mm -hmm. maybe a writer or a journalist or something in those 
the historical version of whatever that is back then. So it gives me a little bit of hope, <laughs> even yeah, though some good can kind of come of the terrible, awful things that were caused by this. Yeah. And it sounds like the prices for food and land values declined a ton, which wouldn't be good if you're a real estate mogul now. But (laughs) back then, a lot of people inherited land and were living more day to day to survive on on food and their food storage. So having it be way cheaper, of course, is a plus if you have a better job with better pay and people are respecting your work-life balance Mm -hmm. more. And uh, you're also getting cheaper food and maybe a bigger, better plot of land. You could see why the people who survived would be like, thank you, God. Holy moly, I'm alive. <laughs> like, I got land. Yeah. I survived all this. You come out on top of it. Yeah, which, for sure. Yeah, would be a big accomplishment. Yep. And also something to keep in mind is uh, if you're related to people who died, you would inherit a lot of money and property <laughs> and Fair. belongings. Yeah. And let's say it was 60% of people that died. If you think about 60% of the people you know dying, I mean, that's awful. But that's a lot of houses and money and equity Mm -hmm. and all those things that you would be inheriting from all those people. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's so it would kind of be like once it died down Mm -hmm. and things calmed down and you weren't in constant fear of, you know, God's wrath or uh, infection. Yeah. it's basically party city like you come out of that Mm -hmm. art culture laughter parties scientific resurgence um a yolo Mm -hmm. mentality and also things are cheap and you're in abundance Mm -hmm. all of a sudden well yeah and a lot of good things came to the medical community because of this because they were they had their butts in gear they were like okay we gotta work on this kind of stuff and some of it took hundreds of years but like i said they came up with a plague vaccine Mm -hmm. and so there was a guy in the 1800s who essentially made that happen along with other vaccines and it really just highlights the importance of vaccines and i know that they are controversial nowadays but like looking at the world right now when we just are missing one vaccine it shows how important they are to our society and all of this just really shows how valuable our doctors and how far we've come medically is for the world we live in yeah and so even things like the ideas of quarantine came from this and so as awful as it was at least we have a few good things that did come of it and Mm -hmm. I, i think that that's something that is important to remember yeah actually this is a small kind of side note tidbit that i learned something that had been bothering me from watching all these zombie movies back in the day about whatever diseases coming up. Well, I've heard of the word epidemic, but also pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I learned... I still get them confused. So let me help. Thank you. So, yeah, because I, up until mm, a couple hours ago, I didn't know. So an epidemic is the first stage. So epidemic okay. is smaller than a pandemic. Okay. Um, an epidemic is usually regional or maybe specific to a certain like land mass or mm-hmm. country in particular. But a pandemic is when it has gone international and globally. Mm. So it's weird because epidemic to me sounds, sounds more worse. Epic. But I yeah, more I think epic. that might be because that's what they used in zombie movies. Because mm. I'm not as familiar with the word pandemic as I am epidemic, but I don't know why. Probably but, because we don't have as many pandemics. True. 
Very which true. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to think of you. like an idea to remember which one's which. Like, I think the root word pan um, gives us the clue. So this is this may not be as helpful, but basically it says epi and pan um, are the prefixes, and epi is Greek, but it roughly means on or upon or near, and then pan means all. So it's either I'm not going to remember that unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. But I think mm. I it's bothered me for so long that I thought what we were going through was an epidemic and people were calling it a pandemic. Well, and it's hard because it was it started as an epidemic yeah. and became a pandemic, so it has been called both. True. And that's been right. But just so everybody knows, it's a pandemic. The plague was a pandemic and COVID-19 is also a pandemic. Just kind of a fun fact. Good to know. So something to keep in mind for uh, modern day plague <laughs> issues. Well, there are still cases. So even though we have the bubonic plague uh, vaccine and also antibiotics to help with infection um, that comes with the side effects of the disease, mm -hmm. is that um, it is still 11% fatal. So even with modern medicine, 11% uh, of people who get it can die mm. so it's still still kind of scary yeah that's not nothing it is not um so i read through two cases um from cnn basically talking about some modern day ones uh cases of the plague so there's a couple in 2002 who were exposed to the plague and they had heard some rumors that uh the plague was somewhere out in the desert <laughs> in new mexico but didn't really think too much of it um, but they ended up going on a hike, and the next morning, they woke up not feeling very well, and their mm. initial thoughts were that they were just hungover. <laughs> and uh, I there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I guess for two days, they basically stayed at home with chills and a fever. Um, they said that their skin hurt, but they had never felt those mm. sorts of, like, aches and pains and, like, total lack of energy before. Um, they described that it was just difficult to get up to go to the bathroom and just like oh. move. And over time, they realized that when they were on their hike, they must have been exposed to some sort of flea. And they got really mm. nervous because they took their dogs on hikes, which as we learned, dogs don't get affected by the plague, but that don't mean they, can they can't carry, carry the fleas yep. that they took on the hike with them. Um, and so after two days of fighting, <laughs> fighting it out, they uh, went to the hospital and then got referred to an ER. And the for so for the husband and wife, they both had a boobo, as we talked about before, mm. and they both had it in their groin area, oh. which sounds like the worst ever. I'd Literally. rather have it in my pit, TBH. Uh, and then once they found the boobo, they got referred to a specialty hospital and the husband, within 24 hours, went into a coma. Oh. Yeah. So he got it real bad. And then the wife uh, was able to stay, like, present and awake, but then went through some of the, like, healing things and was able to come out the other side all right. Um, the husband, in the end, uh, ended up losing his... So after he woke up from the coma, he made it. He lost his fingers and his toes. <gasps> Oh, yeah. gosh. And uh, they, it took months of rehab for him to be able to walk and learn how to do everything again. But 
guess the wow. the happiness out the other end for the couple is that they uh, were they said that they're even closer now because they have to kind of depend on each other more because the husband's health condition and they have to work together now that he is in a wheelchair until he figures out how to walk again. Ugh, that is terrible. Yeah. Um, and then the one other case that I saw in modern day was actually as recent as the summer of 2012. And it's closer than you'd think. It's in Oregon. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's pretty close to us. Um, and it was also in a rural, rural area, which is kind of crazy because, like, I always, especially now, I associate pandemics or viruses or things to be in like crowded areas mainly because that's likely where i would be exposed to a virus that makes sense from someone else but it seems like a lot of people are like out in the desert getting bit by a flea or in paul gaylord's case in oregon uh his cat went missing for a couple days he didn't think too much of it he was looking for his cat all that um and then his cat returned back home and had a mouse in its mouth and he thought it was nasty, so he took the, yeah. <laughs> he took the mouse there. out of the cat's mouth and accidentally scratched uh, his hand on the cat's tooth and ended up getting an infection from the scratch on his finger. Well, the next day, his cat got, like, super bloated and fat and, like, really sick, and he had to put his cat down. Oh, gosh. Yeah, super sad. And then within 24 hours, uh, he went to work, which... Uh, that's great. And he had a fever of 103. Oh. Yeah. So, well, all, all within 48 fever. hours, cat brings back mouse, accidentally gets scratched, finger gets a little infected, cat dies, goes to work, 103 degree fever, and he went to urgent care. They sent him to a specialist, and he had the super awful fever, got really swollen, not doing well. He also had to be put on a ventilator because his lungs eventually stopped working. Oh. Yeah. That sounds like the second type of plague that I didn't touch on. Yeah. The respiratory one. Yeah. And this, if that's the modern day version, that's what he had. Okay. Yeah, because there's three. The bubonic plague was like the big one in the 1300s. And I forget the name of the other two, but there were two other kinds that had slightly different symptoms that weren't quite as widespread. Gotcha. This so is that, probably that. The second one. Yeah. And I guess eventually he, again, just like the other guy, went into a coma for 27 days. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, thanks to modern medicine, he was able to, like, awaken from it. And I guess he lost 30 pounds while he was in a coma, Whew. which makes sense. Um, and his fingers, just like the other guy, got gangrene and oh, his gosh. hand was like locked in a tight fist and his fingers got like turned all black. And he also suffered from, he had to get his toes and fingers amputated. Jeez, I didn't realize that was a common symptom, but I guess I wasn't researching people that live to tell the tale. Yep. The tale, so. Yep. So pretty crazy. Yikes. Well, that makes me second guess going outside. Yeah. Now. A little bit. Like. It's one thing to avoid people. Now I want to avoid nature, <laughs> which is my tendency anyway. So Same. that's fine. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it definitely makes you think. It puts things into perspective and it 
makes you want to be careful but again like we've said it makes us very thankful for modern medicine very true um but as always we are not experts we're just fascinated you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week you can also find us on instagram facebook and twitter if you have information to add to this week's topic or a fascinating fact that you want featured uh, please email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com to be featured at the beginning of a future episode we can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week you've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. Thanks for listening.